Hello, everybody. Just a quick disclaimer before this week's episode. As you know, we've been recording our episodes remotely lately due to the COVID-19 pandemic, so please excuse the slight dip in audio quality. I also wanted to give a shout out to all the nurses, doctors, and medical professionals working every day to save lives. Y'all are the real heroes, and we love you. And now, here's the show. From the beautiful city of West Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hey, hey, welcome to Film Forward, everybody. We are very excited to announce our collaboration with the Austin Film Festival this year. This is our second year working with one of the best film festivals in the world. We had such a great time there last year. This year, obviously, a little bit different, different circumstances, but AFF is still happening virtually this year, just as LADFF did our virtual film festival this year. They have an incredible slate of films. The festival runs October 22nd through the 29th. One of the films that you should all be checking out is Queens of Pain. And we just so happen to be joined by the film's directors, Amy Winston and Cassie Hay. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us on Film Forward today. Thanks, Thanks so much, much for having, having us. us. Jinx, you guys did that. Yeah, can can you tell yeah. we're sisters? <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was looking for a way to segue into you guys being sisters part, but I think you did it yourselves. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Congrats on a really great movie. Congrats on getting into the Austin Film Festival. I really, really adored watching this. It was just, it's such a blast. Oh, that's so great to hear. You know, it. It was a, a long journey here, so we're really excited to share it with audiences finally and especially give people a taste of a sport that has been temporarily suspended due to the pandemic. Yeah, that was I was curious about that. We'll get into that a little bit later because I couldn't help but think about that while I was watching the movie. But let's tell the audience real quick about Queens of Pain. Sure. So Queens of Pain follows three skaters from Gotham Girls Roller Derby League in New York City. They're one of the best, if not the best, leagues in the world. And so we follow three skaters throughout a season and just dig into their life stories and the challenges they face in order to just play the sport that they love. Excellent. And the three women that you chose to follow are just incredible. They have they have incredible stories and they are incredible people. And I wanted to hang out with them more after, after finishing watching <laughs> this. How did you ladies narrow it down to three people and to these specific three people? So Susie Hot Rod has been an, a superstar in the sport for 15 years. She was in Sports Illustrated in the Bodies issue in 2011. She's just kind of been an icon and has a huge following. So she was kind of a natural subject. And originally, we thought we were just going to profile her. But as we really found the story of the film and the real story is, you know, what it takes to do what you love and what you'll give up for that, which I think is universal. It transcends Derby, of course. We decided we really wanted to expand it. And so Evalicious is also has also been skating with the league a long time, used to skate for Boston Derby Danes. And she had just had a baby when we started filming. And we were really interested by her story of, you know, how that was going to affect her derby career. And then uh, we we decided we wanted to interview a rookie so the audience could feel what it was like to fall in love with derby. And we 
found Captain Smeg Sparrow and we fell in love with her too. She's just so much fun. And I'm glad you want to spend more time with them because we were really sad to stop filming and having an excuse to be in their lives constantly. <laughs> but right. um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of how we, we landed on the three stories. And it was really exciting for us to kind of see how it unfolded over the course of a season and really grateful that they shared their lives with us. And Cassie, you used to do roller derby as well. Is that correct? That's true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, I skated. I skated with Gotham for five seasons and went from like a wall hugger at the roller skating rink to <laughs> coach to coaching in Cleveland and traveling to Chicago for the nationals. And we always joke, Amy is definitely more athletic than me. I did not make the track team or tennis or basketball or volleyball teams growing up. But my dad said he was really surprised to see me in Sports Illustrated. So it was a fun, (laughs) surreal, surreal part of my life. And uh, even though I hung up my skates in 2011, 2012, you know, these women were such a part of my life and are still my friends. So it was exciting to go back and visit it from a documentary filmmaker perspective. And then Amy is invaluable because she really, she kept it from, you know, getting too much of a myopic view. She was able to really hone the story and really expand what we were doing. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned you hung up the skates in 2011. So when did you come back to it and say, you know what, I think I'd like to revisit this I'd like, you know, like this is kind of your love letter to it. When did you decide you wanted to go back and make a film about roller derby? Well, it's really funny. And I'll, I'll toss this to Amy. Amy, ta- Amy convinced me to do it. <laughs> actually, <laughs> I think I thought I was too close. And then in, in, we were actually in the wake of Me Too, we were talking a lot about how we'd love to make a film exploring a community of women that really holds each other up and have a positive story about communities of women. Mm-hmm. And then Amy, I don't know, what was your <laughs> what was your thought there? Yeah. And I just happened to be working in advertising in San Francisco and doing a lot of video production and had my some of my very best friends happened to be our director of photography and our producer who are really talented. And so um, Cassie and I kept talking about wanting to tell this story. And we had the people to do it at the time who were gracious enough to kind of volunteered to do it without pay. And so it just felt like the timing was right. And we just decided to go for it. And it's all worked out. Absolutely. Yeah, it's an incredible film. And it's very cinematic. I mean, it feels it's just a beautifully crafted documentary. But I think also having kind of that inside knowledge, I think it comes through on screen, you know, the love for these women, not just the love for these women, but the love for what they do absolutely comes across. And as you mentioned, it's it's very relatable, the passion yeah, I, for doing something that you love. And even if it is, you know, you don't get much out of in return in terms of like, you know, something fiscal or, or fame, um, but, you know, they do it because they love it and that's what they get out of it. Yeah. Cassie, I had obviously watched Cassie play roller derby herself and saw how much of a big part of her life it had become. But then when we started doing kind of pre-interviews and I heard how much time the sport takes and Mm -hmm. that none of these women are paid, they just 
do it because they love it. They're dedicating, you know, three to four nights of practice a week, let alone games and traveling and competition. I just thought to myself, you know, why the hell would somebody want to do this? There's nothing in my (laughs) life that I love that much. And so for me, as we are trying to tell the story, that's what I was hoping to discover is what makes these women want to do this and, and dedicate so much time. So that was definitely part of the story that I was looking to uncover. And again, like Cassie mentioned, not having played roller derby myself, it was a good balance of wanting to showcase the sport for all of the derby fans out there and the derby network, which is so tight knit and wanting to appeal to a broader audience and tell that universal story. So I hope we struck that balance. And, and I think it also mirrors filmmaking in a way, you know, absolutely, especially documentary filmmaking where mm-hmm. you don't, you don't have any guarantee of, of riches, but you do it because you love sharing people's stories and you love filmmaking and the collaboration of filmmaking. So we were watching a lot of uh, blood, sweat and tears on the track and uh, putting a lot of blood, sweat and tears into the film at the same time. So, you know, you don't do it to walk on some hypothetical red carpet, you do it because you want to shine a light on stories that you think should be told. Absolutely. That's funny you mentioned that. That was one thing that I was going to bring up. There's one scene in particular, the Coney Island doubleheader. And, you know, Susie's talking about how everybody puts in the work to actually set up the event. You know, you see them like setting up the floors, you know, getting the speakers ready. Everybody's setting up the actual event and then they have to go compete after that in a very physical (laughs) sport. It was just like, whoa, it reminded me a lot of independent filmmaking or I used to do Rocky Horror. It reminded me of that, (laughs) that, you know, like this tight knit group is like they do everything together. They they build it together just to uh, to provide this entertainment for for something they love so much. Absolutely. One thing I also really loved about the movie is the soundtrack. Talk to us a little bit about getting the music for your film because it it works so well. And I was like, God, I, I want to get like a playlist of all these songs. <laughs> <laughs> That's great to hear. We had an amazing, have an amazing music supervisor, Rowanna Gillespie out of Boston, Texas. And she also did the HBO doc United Skates. So we were really lucky she worked with us and found, you know, helped us put together that soundtrack because I agree it's so much fun. And and it was really so important because at the end of the day, it's also a really fun group of people. And we wanted to match the energy with the music. Also, our editor, Karen Skloss, is a musician herself. She was part of a band in Austin called The Moving Panoramas, and she's a drummer. So you know, it's always hard to not fall in love with the temp music. And yeah. we were really worried <laughs> when we went into the the process of actually working with the music supervisor. But I thought Rowanna knocked it out of the park. I'm so glad you like it too. <laughs> we'll share that with her. Yeah, it's great. So you kind of touched on it earlier, but I want to I wanna circle back to it. You know, the pandemic, I assume now has had an effect on roller derby. Every Every documentary I watch now that was filmed like, you know, pre-pandemic, I've like always by the end of it, I'm like, oh my God, how are they doing like <laughs> with the pandemic? Because, <laughs> you know, it's obviously affected everybody. I assume it's affected the roller derby world and these people. Uh, I just hope they're doing yeah. all right. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually a really sad news we heard recently is that the Gotham Girls League uh, actually lost their practice space, which is in Brooklyn and Williamsburg. And, you know, it's just 
a hip neighborhood and without being able to skate uh, and have games and that revenue coming in all season, they've had to give up that practice space. So this documentary has actually kind of become a bit of a time capsule in that regard. Um, yeah. That really cool space. But the league in general, we've been working closely with WUFDA, which is the governing body of roller derby. And uh, they've actually put out some return to play guidelines that have been received really well across the sports community. They actually just got a big segment on Samantha B talking about how their guidelines were better than the government's essentially. Uh, Cassie, I don't know <laughs> if you have anything to add to that. Yeah, Women's Flat Track Derby Association, that's what WUFDA stands for. And they have member leagues in LA was one of the earlier leagues in the country. Kind of the resurgence was 2003. And it is really sad that, they, that Gotham has lost their crash pad because I was there when we were looking for space, you know, um, we lost our crash pad in Queens and we found this place that at the time seemed like it was way out in Bushwick. And then yeah. you know, now, now it's completely hip, but <laughs> you know, it's, it's very, it's, it's super sad that they lost the space at the same time. The organization is so resilient. And one of the points a lot of people talk about, I mean, we, we bring up in the film is, you know, what would they lose if Gatorade gave them a million bucks and they started out, the league started out skating on, you know, basketball courts around Manhattan and Brooklyn and Queens with broken glass. And so I, I don't worry that they will come back. It, it will just, you know, take some, some grit to get back in, get another space. But I think they're already actually saw a, a picture over the weekend that the junior derby and Susie Hot Rod was teaching them on an old basketball court. So it's, it's kind of exciting to see them, you know, it's probably not their choice to return to their roots because they built this company and this league up over, you know, the past 15, 16 years, but they're going to find a way. So Derby will be back. Absolutely. Your film can be a part of that. The more eyes that are on this film, I think will hopefully draw audiences to Derby. I had a few friends who were really into Derby. They used to go all the time. I went once. I loved it. Watching your film reminded me of how much I loved it and how excited I am to get back to it once we're able to, hopefully, hopefully soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope so. I think they're already through those great guidelines that they've come out with um, starting practices again. So, you know, along with all kinds of performing venues, music, theater and going to the movies again, I'm excited to get back to it as soon as we can safely. Absolutely. But you know, what is exciting about Austin Film Festival being a virtual film festival this year, you know, it's a little bit of a bummer to not be at the Driscoll Bar right. hanging out with people this year. But what's really cool is we're able to share it with people all over the country and the world who otherwise, you know, couldn't stand in line for a ticket. Now it's accessible. So that's really, really exciting. Absolutely. We'll do everything we can to promote it. <laughs> Thanks. The last question I have for you ladies is, what is it like directing as a team and as sisters? Sure. Well, we joked that we've survived and Thanksgiving will be okay this year. So we're we're (laughs) great looking at It's funny, directing with your sister, obviously, is going to be a little bit different than maybe directing with a creative partner or a friend. You're just closer. You have maybe emotional baggage, but also you just know each other a little bit better, I think. And so working together was invaluable. Cassie has such extensive experience in the TV and film industry, while my background is mainly in advertising. But essentially, we're both writers. 
Um, and so we were both really focused on the storytelling and logistically filming. This was a little bit challenging. Cassie was living in Austin. I was living in San Francisco at the time. And then obviously we were filming in New York. So to do this between our jobs during our free time, we planned really well, did a lot of pre-interviews, did a lot of scouting as much as we could and prep before we got there. But we filmed about four to five shoots. We would fly in on a red eye Thursday night and then just film all day, pretty much Friday, Saturday, Sunday, sometimes Monday, um, and then fly back to our jobs. And so sometimes we'd have conflicts with work or family or, or other things. And so we would really just trade off. If one of us had a scheduling conflict, the other one would pick up the responsibilities of filmmaking. And so that was really invaluable just with our insane kind of logistical challenges to have each other to kind of carry the film through. And then in post-production, Cassie really took the lead on a lot of the post-production work, including color mix and sound. And with my background in advertising, I've taken on kind of a lot of the marketing and, and the fundraising in the beginning. So really just our experiences in our own work life really helps this collaboration sing, I think. I don't know, Cassie, if you have anything to add or feel differently. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we haven't, we have not gotten any neat fist fights. And so it was incredibly important that we worked together and we did, I think we did it well. And even from a practical standpoint, when we were filming the bouts and so much was happening at once. And like Amy was saying, we had, even if we had had the luxury of, you know, living with these women all summer long, not that they would have wanted us to live with them all summer long. (laughs) The bout is so busy and has so many moments to capture there's the on the track action and then there's the locker room action. And that was one thing that we were really fortunate that the league trusted us to look to even go into the locker room sometimes to capture those conversations. And so you logistically, practically would need two people to make sure that you're getting the story that you wanted and that you discussed and that we were following. So, you know, Amy and I at the, on the bouts, especially we would split up. One of us would be with the, the camera crew for the prepping team and one would be on the track. And we definitely couldn't have done that with one director. And my first doc I did as a solo director and Amy and I have often talked about how the hell did I do that? Because (laughs) it's enough work with two of us just to capture everything. So at the end of the day, I'm really thrilled that we were able to, to get the story we did. And, and, you know, Amy's been putting up with, with me since childhood when we were making home videos. <laughs> so um, I'm the big sister and she has always stood up for her vision since day one. So it was great to, to work together in this capacity. Well, you've knocked it out of the park, ladies. You should be very proud. It's an incredible film. Queens of Pain will be available through the Austin Film Festival starting October 24th. And once it becomes available, you'll have five days to watch it. So buy your tickets now at austinfilmfestival.com. We're going to take a quick break, everybody. But when we return, Amy and Cassie are going to help us out with our favorite segment, Gimme Three. We'd like to take a minute and give a very special thanks to our new sponsor, E-Minutes. E-Minutes is a company of entertainment lawyers who are dedicated to giving a platform to underrepresented voices by helping filmmakers form companies and other necessary legal entities. 
They're sponsoring a new award with LADFF called the Emerging Filmmaker Award and giving their services for free to the lucky winners. You can find out more about them by going to LADFF.com and clicking on the E-Minutes link. All right, we are back on Film Forward, everybody. All month long, our episodes will be highlighting some of the best that the 2020 Austin Film Festival has to offer this year, and that is personified in Cassie Hay and Amy Winston. They are the directors of the film Queens of Pain, but now they're going to help us out with our favorite segment, Gimme Three. They're going to hook us up with three film recommendations, films that have inspired them, inspired their work. Ladies, let's get your first one. All right. So jumping in to A League of Their Own. Now, it's definitely our most mainstream pick of our Gimme Three movies, but it's just the ultimate kind of girl power sports film, women directed, women starred. And honestly, when we first started planning to film Queens of Pain, the idea was that we thought it might be like A League of Their Own on skates. Uh, Mm -hmm. We ended up with a very different film. Uh, but there's just so many different personalities in Derby, let alone the Derby names. But I think we just kept going back to a league of their own as this film that really showed women in sports in a light that I hadn't seen before. And I haven't really seen since. And it was just a film that inspired us while we were making Queens of Pain. Absolutely. I mean, not only, did Susie Hot Rod, our main character, she likes to quote Jimmy Dugan all the time. Uh, she, she, says she, she says she coaches in the style of Jimmy Dugan. But, you know, it's just, it's just a fun time. And one thing that we really learned from them was how to tell a, make a sports movie that's really just a movie that has sports incidentally. You know, mm-hmm. you don't really have to know how a baseball lineup works. I still don't know how a baseball lineup works. And roller derby is a really complicated sport with a lot of complicated rules. But at the end of the day, you were able to be drawn into the game, the, the women playing baseball, but and really just care about them as characters. And so that was a great study for us. Absolutely. Uh, a League of Their Own is one of my favorite films of all time. <laughs> it is is one of those like uh, VHS tapes that was like really worn out in my house because it was yeah, oh, on, yeah. <laughs> on constant rotation. But yeah, you, you ladies mentioned it. It's hard to find movies that, you know, pack such a punch, say so much about society then, now, uh, have such a strong message, but still just be wall-to-wall entertaining. This movie does not stop being a delight for like one second. It's hilarious and great and emotional. It's it's awesome. I totally agree. (laughs) I wish we had a Marla Hooch equivalent in our film. Oh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Although I think Raggedy Animal, she only made cameo appearances, but I think if we let her let her go in a bar, we could totally have had a Marla Hooch moment. <laughs> oh my gosh, that'll be the sequel. <laughs> there you go. That's the sequel. All right. Greenlit, done. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> a League of Their Own. If you haven't seen it, shame on you, but uh, go watch. And if you have They're seen remaking it. They're remaking it, I think. I know. I'm very nervous about that. No. I am too. I know. I know, except it's the, the women from Broad City, so I am holding out a slimmer of hope. Yeah, I love her. I mean, I, the 
the people that are involved in it seem, you know, it's all people I trust, but I get nervous with the whole this remake culture. It's like, it can't get better. So why, why, <laughs> why make something, why remake something that's perfect? Right. I agree. <laughs> but, but we'll see. I'll have faith. I'll be a, a good fan. Your second one, ladies. Our second selection is Paris is Burning. That's the documentary from, I think, 1990. That's about the Vogue world in Mm -hmm. New York City. And also woman director Jenny Livingston. But the way that they treated the interviews with the different kind of inhabitants of the world, I thought were so wonderful and woven together so well. And this is another case of where I don't really understand the rules of the voguing and I don't care because I love watching it. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, I don't know who's winning, but just keep, just keep voguing. It's, you're, you know, it's wonderful. And um, they had just great, uh, just a great lived in feeling. You could tell that they lived with these characters for a long time. And then a lot of gravitas, you know, it's a subject that seems on its surface like, Oh, this is a group of people who gets together in old high school gyms in New York and Vogue's. But then you see the their life outside of voguing and what voguing gives to them that they can't get elsewhere. And so even just the way it was shot, a lot of that really informed some of our storytelling. And um, it's just a wonderful film and really, I think, still stands, stands the test of time. Yeah, and I think the access that they had clearly you know, they had great relationships with their subjects. And I think if Cassie hadn't skated with Gotham, we would not have had the access that we did or the point of view that we put into this film. And so I think just watching Paris is Burning, you really feel like you're being let in on something private and secret, which is something I just love in documentary filmmaking. Absolutely. Uh, Rewatching it this past week, I drew a lot of similarities to, to your film. And it's just kind of that, you know, as you talked about, the empowerment it gives them to do this, what it means to them, and that they literally call it family, you know, that family Mm -hmm. that you create while doing this because they understand you, they get you, they're willing to accept you, but they're going to push you. They're not going to go easy on you. They're going to push you to your limits. There's a very, very hard competitive spirit, you know, with both the Derby and with these balls, as they would call it. So I thought... I thought this would make a great double feature with Queens of Pain. Oh, well, yeah. I can dare to dream. Let's get, let's make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> Paris is burning. Check it out. I think it's available on the Criterion channel right now. If you love it enough, I, which you should, the Criterion edition Blu-ray is like uh, great. Some great special features on there. Oh, nice. All right, ladies, your third and final film. Our third and final film is All That Jazz from 1979. What can I say? Uh, It's probably the film that made me want to move to New York in the first place, which (laughs) is weird because it shows a really kind of grimy, grimy side of the theater business. But what I love about it is you have the literally the razzle dazzle of the dancers and these incredible things that they can do with their bodies and then what they have to go through Mm -hmm. to get there. and. It's also another movie about a community. It's definitely a world, but I just love the 70s New York that it captures. And one thing that 
Amy and I, it was really important to us was, you know, most people that don't live in New York, you come there, you go to Times Square, you go to the museums, you know, that's the New York you see. But so much of the day-to-day life of New York is just, as Amy said, when she first moved there, just weird, uh, weird liquids dripping on you from above. You know, it's like (laughs) (laughs) the, the puddle that never dries, you know, inexplicably, you know, so we really try to capture that in our film and show you what living in New York feels like. And I think all that jazz does a great job just besides the fact that it's so fun to watch Bob Fosse dance number. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's um, that's the third one for me. I don't know, Amy, do you want to have anything to add to that? You nailed it. Once Being able to see how the sausage is made, it really sucks the glamour out of things. And I think just seeing in our film anyway, how, what these women are putting themselves through to skate. It's, I mean, it was really eye-opening for me while we were filming and even more so now being a mother in particular, watching Eva's story. I don't know how the hell she was making it to practice with a newborn and getting her body back in shape, but yeah, it's just incredible. And so I think um, that was a big inspiration we drew. And we, we love, we're big theater nerds. So yeah, we love it. Bob Fosse, man. I mean, I'm new to the Fosse train. I think last year or a couple years ago, I saw Lenny for the first time. That was Mm. like the first Bob Fosse movie I'd ever seen. And I was like, holy shit, this guy, this guy knows what he's doing. And then so like I dove into the rest of his films and I was completely blown away. But yeah, all that jazz is is incredible. And I've never lived in New York. I've, I've stayed in New York for like extended periods of time, like working on movies and stuff and watching this brought me back there, you know, like working, <laughs> working in something creative, doing that grind. But then as you mentioned, yeah, just having to like also live in New York at, on top of doing a 15 hour a day grind is, you know, brutal. God, it's brutal. <laughs> like, I mean, it's God bless, God bless all those people. And that's why they say New Yorkers are the toughest people in the world is because they are, man. It is. Oh, uh, they are, but don't they have such a gooey center? That's. Oh yeah, that's, yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's like they're gonna yell at you, and then they're gonna always give you directions to where you want to go. You're gonna want to sure. take the six <laughs> to 14th Street, you know. So, um, you know, even Susie, who's tough as nails, you know, she's she's got a gooey center, and um, you know, I love it. It's, I agree. It's, it's, yeah. uh, I had a friend on in Derby blue bonnet plague was her Derby. <laughs> she said, you know, living in New York is like getting hit with a two by four repeatedly. I'm like, that's about right. <laughs> <laughs> All that jazz, check it out. Uh, it's incredible, incredible movie. And yeah, I think as you mentioned, I think it relates very nicely to your film as well. Once again, ladies, thank you for being here. Excellent. Three choices. Excellent movie. <laughs> I can't wait to see what you have next down the line. Please keep us, please keep us in the loop real quick. Before we go, tell the audience where they can find you or where they can follow the film. So you can see the film. It's premiering through Austin film festival on October 24th at 5 45 PM central. And so you can buy tickets on the Austin film festival website. And we're on Instagram. We also have our, our website. Our website is Queens of You can find us on Instagram at Queens of Pain film and on Facebook at Queens of Pain film. Excellent. Thank you so much. Everybody check it out. It is well worth the watch. And once Derby comes back, hopefully sooner rather than later, I implore everybody 
to go out and see these ladies kick some ass. Hell yeah. Amy and Cassie, thank you so much. Thanks for doing this. It was a blast. Yeah, real pleasure for us. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you all for listening to Film Forward, and we will catch you next time. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time.